Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Grant, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Canadian champion Audrey Grant about taking bridge on the road in her Winnebago, some luminaries she's met along the way, and the joy she gets from teaching. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hello, partner, and congratulations. Thank you, partner. Congratulations to you too. We have just found out that we have been shortlisted for an International Women's Podcast Award, and we're just delighted and very excited. So excited. So excited. Looking forward to the ceremony. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure we'll be invited. To the red carpet. <laughs> Which is why, you know, Jocelyn and I have already decided to start looking for gowns. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Any particular fabrics you favor? I was thinking some kind of garish taffeta, you know. Yes, uh, watered silk, <laughs> sort of along the same, the same line. <laughs> that's something I think that Scarlett O'Hara always, always wore, something out of watered silk. And I have no idea what it, what it looks like. But very, very pretty and very appropriate oh, yes. for a podcast yes. award ceremony. So, you know, <laughs> thanks to everybody for listening and supporting this show. It means a lot to us and this is very nice recognition. So what else has been happening with you? Well, I wanted to tell you about this um, funny thing that happened last night at the Bridge Club. You know, the the space that we rent out to play bridge in uh, once a week is in a church and you've been there so you know it um, but we only get it one night a week and it's used by other community groups and maybe school assemblies and that sort of thing alcoholic anonymous meetings etc so we have had people wandering into the club over the years to look for their community meeting and realize that they're there on the wrong night. I guess they didn't feel compelled to learn to play bridge. But last night I was there and we were probably about 15, 20 minutes into the game and a gentleman appeared and one of the people who works for the club goes up to him and says rather audibly, oh, are you here for the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting? And the guy at the door says, um, no, I'm here to play bridge. <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, he was a bit late if he really expected 
to play bridge that night, but it was still pretty funny to be greeted. Like, <laughs> here you are. You're a newcomer to the game. You want to play bridge and you're asked if you're there for an AA meeting. <laughs> so he just rocked up to the club for the first time. Yes, exactly. He rocked up for the first time. It turns out that he had actually expressed interest in an email, I think, to the club manager about coming, but she had told him to come by 645 or probably sooner so that he could be paired with somebody to play. Anyway, he was very happy to kibitz and hopefully he'll be back and wasn't... Uh, not too offended. Was not too offended. He'll come back and be a very happy member of our wonderful club. Well, that sounds great and has alerted you to potential recruiting opportunities. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who could resist? <laughs> and now it's time for Club Quell. Club in the spotlight. Hi, this is Peter from Central New Jersey. I actually play in several different clubs in the area, but I want to give a shout out to my, by far my favorite, which is the Summit Area Bridge Club, located mainly in a uh, church in uh, New Providence, New Jersey. What I really like about the club is the size and quality of the game. They get up to 20 tables on Monday, which is the uh, biggest game. Uh, and there are several very good players, so it's uh, fairly competitive. Uh, and the director bet is um, very friendly and flexible, willing to do things like even run a web movement with this 20 tables, which makes the uh, scoring much, much fairer. She's also worked fairly hard at getting new players involved or people uh, re-involved in the game. Ironically, somewhat, most clubs in New Jersey are located in churches and temples, but I guess uh, this is our religion and we do do a lot of penance for it. Anyway, it's a great club. You should come out if you're in the area. They run games Monday through Friday, both open games and on Life Master, and I highly recommend it. So come on down. Email us if you'd like to quell about your club. Club in the spotlight. I'm quelling. We have four letters today, Jocelyn. A plethora. <laughs> A plethora of mail. Love it. Love it. Our first letter today is from Stuart. And Stuart writes to us, many of your guests mention the social aspects of face-to-face -face bridge. As one who tends to be introverted, I didn't put much stock in that aspect of the game until one day at my former club in San Diego, I met Rick, a man who had just moved to town from Hawaii. He was about my age and very personable, so we got to chatting between rounds. I learned that we had similar professional backgrounds, so I gave him my business card and asked him to keep in touch. A few days later, I saw him at the club again, and he said, Oh my, have I got a surprise for you. When he took the card home, his wife saw it and said, I know him. <laughs> it turns out that Rick is married to one of my college classmates, someone I had lost touch with and hadn't seen in over 40 years. She and I quickly got reacquainted and the three of us socialized frequently for the next few years until I moved away. Never again will I doubt the benefits of being an extrovert at the bridge table. That's a lovely story. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I think that's particularly at tournaments a situation where people often run into friends they may have lost touch with or, you know, come across people they knew in a different context. It's always so heartwarming. And bridge brings people together. So many of our guests have talked about how much they love seeing their friends at tournaments all over the world. Yes, like Bronya Jenkins, who was reconnected with some people that she'd started playing bridge with, yeah. and Marie Egerling, who played with people that she was in junior camp with. I mean, so mm -hmm. many stories like that. Yes, it's great. Our next letter today, Jocelyn, is from Ellen. This is a very sweet story about her mother. And her mother's no longer with us, but she was Ellen's favorite bridge partner and she was still playing at 91 and was very good. One day while we were playing at our local bridge club, 
she wasn't quite herself. At the end of the game, she collapsed and left in an ambulance. When I arrived at the hospital, she moved the oxygen mask and said, did we get any points? (laughs) A woman with her priorities very much thought it. (laughs) Ellen also says that when her mum would sit down at the bridge table, she'd say to the opponents, I might look like a little old lady, but I always have an ace up my sleeve, at which point she'd actually pull out an ace of hearts. So had a wonderful sense of humor. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. Our next letter is from Bill. He writes, Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. We recently had an excellent training session of defibrillator use at our club. There was some serious Q&A, but I couldn't resist asking, if it is dummy having a heart episode, can we wait until the end of the hand? Most people laughed while others who didn't felt it was a silly question because, of course, (laughs) we would wait. Again, with the priorities. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And our final letter today is from Tom. And Tom has sent us a voicemail, so let's listen. Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. My name is Tom Selinski. I'm an enthusiastic, if erratic, bridge player from London in the UK. I've been loving the podcast, and I just wondered if you had any favorite bridge games from fiction. Uh, There are two that spring to my mind. One is in the James Bond novel, not the movie, but the novel Moonraker, where M suspects that billionaire philanthropist Hugo Drax is cheating at cards and brings James Bond along to find out if he is and later to teach him a lesson. And Fleming sets out the entire rigged deal with which Bond parts Drax from an enormous sum of money. Uh, the other is the 1930 Marx Brothers movie Animal Crackers, which features a bridge game between Chico, Harpo, Margaret Dumont, and I think it's Lillian Roth. Harpo takes all 13 tricks, most of them with the Ace of Spades. If you haven't seen that, it's really worth a look. Thanks very much again for all you do. Bye for now. Thanks, Tom. That's great. I don't have any favourite bridge games per se from fiction, but whenever I'm reading, because I read on my iPad, I screenshot the text. So I'm, you know, if there's ever, ever a mention of bridge, so I've got like my camera uploads, I've got all these fragments of text and I'm like, what is that? And then I go and have a bit of a look and it's, it's a mention of bridge. There's a lot of Anita Bruckner in there. And um, most recently, Jocelyn, if you would like a fiction recommendation, a delightful novella from Helen DeWitt, published in 2022. It is called The English Understand Wool. And she name checks the Honours Bridge Club, which is now called Clubs and Games, as we all know, in New York. Yeah. I mean, there's also the famous ones. There's the Agatha Christie cards on the table and Matthew Granovetta's book, Murder at the Bridge Table. Matt, our our former guest. And don't forget Helen Erickson's Murder by Natural Causes. Helen was a guest on our show. So lots of writers and bridge players. Yes, it's great. Yeah, I remember that scene from the James Bond movie, Moonraker. An incredible wackadoodle hand that James Bond pulls off like an incredible coup against the against the villain. Drax. Hugo Drax. And then the Marx Brothers. I do adore them. They're so funny. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have any fun stories about the social aspect of face-to-face bridge or people prioritizing the game over perhaps serious health matters, we're talking funny stories, please. Or perhaps your favorite bridge scenes in movies and books. Please do send them to us. You can find all of our contact details on our website at sorrypartner.com, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Audrey Grant. Audrey's books are available at Baron Barclay. Get 15% off all their bridge supplies, books and gifts using promo code PARTNER15. That's promo code PARTNER15 at baronbarclay.com. Canadian champion Audrey Grant has a background in education, teaching every level 
from kindergarten to university. For over three decades, she has applied this passion to bridge education. Together with her husband, David Lindop, she has written more than 25 books, as well as collaborated on books with the likes of Eric Rodwell and Zia Mahmood. She produced the ACBL Bridge series, the Club, Diamond, Heart, and Spade books, plus commonly used conventions and more commonly used conventions. She also worked with the ACBL to develop their teacher accreditation program. Her Better Bridge magazine and now website and daily column, which I do every day, has been going steadily for 30 plus years. Audrey is also an active fundraiser. Her contributions have endowed causes such as research for Parkinson's disease. We began by asking about her earliest memory of Bridge. Well, my earliest memory of Bridge is a bit unusual because uh, I was uh, 22 years old and I had lived on a farm all my life in a, outside of a small town called Burlington. And uh, I got married and my husband and I moved to the big city of Toronto and he was working at IBM. Uh, I didn't play bridge. I didn't play card games. I did a lot of things on the farm. I had a lot of interests, but playing games and competing, that was not anything that I was really interested in. So when I got to Toronto, I really wasn't interested in playing in the weekly duplicate game at IBM. First of all, those guys were very competitive. And I thought, you know, this wouldn't be something that I would enjoy. But you know what? The evening that the game was being played, I think it was Thursday evenings, came about probably about the fourth week. I thought, you know, I could be going to this game and I could be meeting new people. And I think I might like to try that. So I bought a little short book by none other than Charles Gorn. And I was teaching at the time in Toronto. And uh, one of the fellows that was right close to me in the uh, in the school was a director and his name was Duke Cartwright. He was retiring that year. And he said, I'll help you learn how to play bridge. And then we can, together, we'll just surprise your husband. You'll go down to the club one night at IBM. And there you will. You'll know how to play bridge. <laughs> so I thought that was a good idea. So I did check it out with my husband in general terms. Do you think it'd be okay if I came to the club one night? I might have a surprise. <laughs> so sure, that's great. I think he thought maybe a present or something. So my first experience was in a duplicate game at the IBM Golf and Country Club. That was my very first experience playing cards. I practiced. I practiced picking up the cards, holding them. <laughs> you know, sorting them. It's as if I was I was doing a workout of some sort, you know. Even got my nails done and all sorts of things that were ever so unimportant. <laughs> so that was my first experience. Oh, I loved it. It was the strangest thing. I loved it. And you want to know what was even more amazing? My husband and I uh, actually won the Watson Trophy that year at IBM. And that was just a few simple rules, you know, playing in a good pace, not getting upset, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my first bridge playing experience. It's pretty magical. I mean, being in a new large city, we had a place to go on Halloween and a place at Christmas and a place at anything, any special occasion. There was a collection of friends, pretty magical, really. IBM, that's an interesting place to have played mm -hmm. bridge. What is the most unexpected place where you've played? Well, you know, I think that's going to be a straightforward question for me to answer because it was unexpected in, in a number of ways. Unexpected in the path that took me to this particular place. You know how you hope something will happen and it doesn't and you think, oh, well, I bet that was as it should have been, that kind of thing. So I had tried, <laughs> I had tried to uh, raise some money to do a 13-week show on PBS showing how to play bridge. And uh, I gave it my best, but I didn't actually raise the uh, money, but went out for dinner with some friends. And I just happened to say, 
would you like to actually sponsor this program on PBS about how to play bridge? And the gal, who was a friend of uh, Warren Buffett's, said, yes, you know, she would like to sponsor it. And I thought, oh, well, that that's great. So we made the show. It was a great success. So to celebrate the completion of this, I was living in England at the time. Dave was on an assignment there. We went to Omaha, Nebraska, and Warren Buffett was there. So we were talking a bit about, you know, living in England and living in Canada, living in the States, etc. And he said to me, you know, it would be a rather interesting game if we had the House of Lords and the House of Commons versus corporate America. <laughs> he said, do you think you could organize that? I thought, oh, good grief. I, I said, I, th- I think I could actually, because I was teaching some lessons uh, in London, and I did have some very interesting students that I thought I could contact to that end. So that started the whole thing. And a very short time after that, maybe three months or so, there we were in the home of Malcolm Forbes, old Battersea House in London with the House of Lords, the House of Commons, and corporate America about to take part in a competitive game. Isn't that amazing? It was social competitive. But it was very important. Who won? Well, do you know what? (laughs) Here's the very interesting thing. It was a secret game in that there was to be no mention of it in the media. And as far as the results at the time, there was a very, very interesting handshake. Congratulations. Well done. But actually, that wasn't going out to the public either. Embargoed. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny, I, I had a conversation recently with Warren about this game this year Uh, because someone else was asking some of the stories about it. And we were just saying to each other, it was pretty amazing, really. Nobody knew about this event. Don't you think that's surprising that there could be that type of an event and there wasn't a thing about it in the newspaper? You know, there's an interesting story. There was a, a party ahead of time just outside of number 10 Downing Street, just right near there. And uh, Malcolm Forbes had come up to me. I was at this event because I was helping organize it. And I said how pleased I was to meet him. And I said, you know, I read all of your books. And uh, he said, really, which one did you especially like? I said, I liked They Went That Away. And that's a book about how famous people died. And he said, what did you like in particular? (laughs) Which one of these stories? And I said, I kind of like the one about Elvis Presley, because they said, his death in no way impacted his business. And I thought, well, I'm a bit of a slow starter and I have family. So it's never too late to succeed, I guess. So Malcolm had said, that's very interesting. Well, you know, I'll have to get you to write my obituary for the bridge world. And he actually passed away just shortly after that. Yeah, I know. Isn't that the strangest thing? And his the manager of his house had phoned me to let me know that he had passed away on his way back from this event and asked me to announce it to the media. So I called Warren at three or four in the morning and asked him to to do that because I didn't really know how to let that happen. And I did, did write that. So it was just full of so many things. But you know what I thought about it? I mean, There were some of the most powerful influencers, I guess we could say, in the world taking part in a game. Did they want the results known? Not really. See, this was kind of a little private thing. It wasn't about that. It was about their getting together and exchanging things. And, um, you know, I could have one writer... And uh, I got the writer from the Guilford paper. And here was the condition. The writer was not to have any other pictures except the ones for a scrapbook of this event for the participants. So not a separate set of pictures that could be revealed to the media. And when I went to this fellow and said, can you do that? Can you keep a secret? And... Do you have the type of personality where you will not make a separate set of pictures? And he did say to me, are you going to be taking pictures? And I, 
I'm not going to be because that's not what they want. So there was publicity after that, that Malcolm Forbes had passed away and what he was doing just before he passed away, which was playing bridge. But there wasn't anything else. And this fellow kept his word, as did anyone else who might ask, you know, you don't take any pictures and keep them or show them. And I didn't either myself. And I just thought that kind of decency and respect for privacy of very famous people was refreshing, especially when you think of what we get nowadays, where if you're famous, you you can't do that sort of thing, right? You don't get to have private little parties if you're famous, but they did, even to the point where not sharing who won. I don't know. There's something about that that I think is special. And they were trying. I mean, this was not sort of a casual competition when it was happening that you didn't try to do your best. Oh, no, this was competitive. But at the end of it, it wasn't spiteful competitive. It was well done. Do you know that type of thing? And I like that. That was a very pleasant memory. You must have had the opportunity to see behind many bridge curtains. Yes, (laughs) I have had that opportunity. Any others come to mind? Well, there, you know, I'm just sitting here right now and I'm looking out my window and and, uh, our house faces a park. It's a half a mile around. And I remember in 1997, the World Team Junior Bridge Championships were held in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And John Carruthers, who just went into the Hall of Fame, was organizing it. And, uh, you know, uh, Dave and I have been friends with uh, John and Katie for many, many years. So John had said, uh, can you have the teams for dinner? And I said, well, how many would it be? And he said, maybe 220 or something like that. They'll come in buses, right? He said, but you'll figure it out. And I guess with my whole bridge career, I guess that has been something that I've kind of lived by. Well, you'll figure it out. I knew I'd need more than a new vacuum cleaner to have the <laughs> House of Lords and the House of Commons versus corporate America. But, you know, you just sort of figure it out. So anyway, we went all around the park and told everyone that we were going to have this barbecue and they could come if they wanted to. And would that be all right with them? And it was. But, you know, the most amazing thing that had everyone just, I want to cry now, don't worry, I won't, but just sitting on a chair on the grass, just kind of weeping, was that as the buses pulled up, and there were about eight of them, and we had some guitars and bongos and this and that in our house, each country sang its national anthem before the buses, each bus pulled away. And so that was something that we all remembered, you know, Bridge for Peace is the motto, as you know, of the World Bridge Federation. And, you know, this was just something that really was memorable. I mean, there were uh, four or five hundred cobs of corn. (laughs) (laughs) How great. Another bridge experience comes to mind. At first, I have to say it was um, just mortifying, but I did get over it. But I'll tell you what happened. We were going around the United States, uh, about 30,000 miles. We were taking four or five months to do it. And we were visiting 70 bridge clubs because I think you know that I've been involved in bridge games and bridge lessons, and I am a researcher. And so I felt that, you know, we would do this and David's an adventurer and our kids and whatnot. So we decided we would do this. And I got Winnebago to sponsor it and Centennial Press and Better Bridge. And off we went. But I thought it would be lovely if I wore a costume. Dave said he was not wearing a costume. (laughs) So... But I thought, well, I'll get the opera company to design and make me a lovely dress, a period dress that represents a queen, something that you would think of as the queen of hearts in a deck of cards or something, something rather nice. And so I went for the fitting and they did it. And just before we left, I tried it on and 
I was a little bit shocked because um, I didn't realize how much cleavage was shown in these older costumes. So it was as if my stomach was right up around my <laughs> neck in this costume. I never had so much cleavage ever. Other than that, I, I think it was fine. <laughs> but I a little bit reluctantly put it on. We went to our first stop, which was Buffalo, New York. And I got in this dress and I thought, oh my goodness gracious, am I am I actually going to wear this? I thought, well, there'll be people around. I'll be surrounded and I won't be, I, I don't know what I thought, but I didn't think what would happen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I opened the door. And there was the room where I was going to be lecturing. The room was huge. <laughs> it was a convention room. And at the very far corner, there were two tables. That would be eight people who were there for the lesson. That would be eight. Our first thing, it didn't occur to me that there would be so few people or that the room would be so big or that there would be such cleavage, all of these things. <laughs> So in my mind, I had a drum roll. I don't know if you've ever had that where you kind of pretend that it's not happening. Da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. <laughs> and I walked deliberately across this room to eight of the most amazed faces I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. So when I said to them, now here's a hand, and it was a hand that had uh, 14 high card points and a five card suit. Fair enough. And I was talking even in those days about the advantage of counting length when you opened one no trump. Anyway, I said, you know, talk among yourselves. So what would you open this? Would you open with the uh, one diamond, the five card suit? You only have 14 points. Your hand is balanced. You have five, three, three, two. Or would you count a point for the length and open with the no trump? I hear you nodding. Yes, 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 yes. That's what I'm going to do. So when I looked at them, I could see that <laughs> it was too late. They'd already had these thoughts. I said, or would you like me just to give me a sweater or something and let me just put it on over this dress? And why don't I just take off these high heels and come back in the other door, which is really close to you, and let's start again. <laughs> And so this guy popped up and gave me his jacket. <laughs> I put it on and I went in the other door and I came in and I said, hi, everybody. So listen, I want it. And then away went the thing. But I came out of there and I thought, I've got 69 more events. We went to Rochester next. And I was in the uh, Winnebago in my, I didn't sleep in the Winnebago. I also had to deal with Marriott. Just so you know, I didn't want you to think that I had to sleep in the same room as my queen costume. But anyway, <laughs> I <laughs> and wear it to 60 <laughs> different clubs. Exactly. So the next one, the next one, there were so many cars coming into the into the uh, 
place, hundred. it actually was about 140, uh, just over 100 tables, about 140 tables in a huge room. I had no idea it was for me because remember, I'd already done my drum roll walk and I had an image of myself and it wasn't that. So Dave came in and he said, hurry up, they're all there. And that was it. So the rest of the the rest of the trip was you take the good with the bad, and um, I still have that dress hanging downstairs. Well, you know we want a picture of it so we can post it on our Instagram. You you in it would be also fine. <laughs> I don't know if I fit in it, but I certainly have the dress. <laughs> Audrey, how did you get started teaching on cruises? Um, well, a bit surprisingly, actually, and I think that's the whole story of what happens when you take up bridge as a hobby. I think not just for me, but I've seen it happen in so many different lives where just taking up a game where you have a deck of cards and three friends and take it from there, that the take it from there is often absolutely magical. So what happened is that they needed someone to teach on a cruise ship for a month going from Los Angeles uh, over to Sydney and back again. It turned out that uh, the teacher who was scheduled to go couldn't make it and um, they needed someone immediately and I had just sort of started teaching. I I am a teacher by trade but I hadn't taught a lot of bridge lessons etc. But they asked me if I would do that and as it turned out It was going to be possible for me to do that. Um, I took our our son with us and I homeschooled him on that, took my mother and my aunt. David was working at the time and off I went to go to um, Australia and back over. And I really loved teaching on the cruise ship. And that's where I got started on it. How did you then get involved with the ACBL? Because I imagine that that was a key stepping stone in terms of your platform and you becoming so well known. It was really. And it was was kind of, uh, well, the timing was rather perfect because um, David and I had written a book called The Joy of Bridge with Eric Rodwell. And that was a big success. And we decided that we would write a series of textbooks because teaching is my background. And although the joy of bridge we loved, I thought in order for it to be useful as much as it could be, it should be in the form of textbooks that other people could use to teach in a way that maybe they had not thought to be teaching. That's what we were doing. At the very same time, the American Contract Bridge League was looking for a way of increasing their finances and their membership. And they wanted to produce a series of textbooks. So they put out an advertisement saying anybody who would like to apply to write textbooks should apply. And so we applied and They asked someone else first, but then that person didn't end up wanting to do it. And then they picked someone else and they didn't really want to do it also. So on about the fourth try, they came to us and said, would you like to to do this? Now, I say to us for a very important reason. I really believe that the best textbooks are a combination of methods and materials, And they're two very separate disciplines. And so someone who is an expert in the field, which my husband David is, David Lindop, he is an expert bridge player and theorist. You know Eric Rodwell also. We've written books with Zia Mood. You know him. So these are all expert theorists. But we would go to the top players in the world and still do. We're working with Gavin Wolport, another world-class player at this point. So that's what we do. Methods and material, the best methods and absolutely the best materials. So once we hooked up with the ACBLs, some very wonderful things happened. 
We started working with Julie Greenberg at the ACBL, who was the education director, and she was amazing. She understood what the whole concept was, and she was enthusiastic, but her ego didn't get in the way of accomplishing tasks, very well organized, and just had a great sense of humor and of adventure. That's how we got with them. And we wrote the books. And of course, they were extremely successful. And even now, I'm always on the hunt for people who are very good at theory and, and methods and, and all of that, so I can keep myself uh, up to speed. And Dave's the same way about our searching for the best ideas in the game technically. So you can't relax. And there are so many more with digital technology and the internet. It just gives you so many more options, which is great. Are you still involved in the teacher training side of things? I haven't been recently, but there's been some wonderful things happening uh, at the ACBL. They have uh, a new uh, new leadership in certain areas. And actually, I saw you interview, I saw your interview of Bronya and I mean, what a what a wonderful advantage that is for her to be there because she's got what it takes to be able to reach out to people with all different skill levels. So we will be doing our training again online, which is where we did it before once COVID came. And so we'll expand that. What has been the most rewarding experience that you've had with your teaching? Well, I think the most rewarding experience is when I see how the ideas can spread to make people's lives better. And, and, and let me just give you a, an example of what I mean by that. There's something that I suggest the teachers do when they go into a class. It doesn't sound very powerful, but it is. And here's what it is. Hi, I'm Audrey Grant, uh, or whatever your name is, sorry. And I'd like to give you the teacher's guarantee. And that is that I will not ask you any questions unless you volunteer. So don't be afraid to make eye contact with me. So I say to them, just do that in front of every class. That's the thing that you do right away. And if you do, the rewards will be plentiful. Now, nobody much believes that the rewards will be rewards will be plentiful because what that like just listen to it again. Hi, I'm Audrey Grant, and I'd like to just give you the teacher's guarantee. I won't be asking you any questions unless you volunteer, so don't be afraid to make eye contact with me. Well, for heaven's sakes, that's powerful. You bet it's powerful. It's amazingly powerful. And when I get letters, like I've got one recently, that it started with, thanks for the gift. And this gal is a lecturer. She's a lecturer at university. And she gave that teacher's guarantee, not in Bridget's, in another subject matter. And she said that when the students came in, they were fidgeting and nervous, et cetera, et cetera. And she said she was not prepared in the least for how that simple sentence put them at ease. It made a huge difference for, to their ability to learn, their ability to communicate with each other. It just set a very humane environment in a classroom. I know that doesn't seem like much, but it's pretty powerful. Well, and the invitation to make eye contact probably meant that you got a lot of eye contact, I would think. That's right. Yeah. And as she said in a long letter that she wrote to me, she said the thing was that they were no longer afraid of silence. So there might be a look where the teacher was looking at the student or the student was looking at the teacher and there was silence, no fidgeting, nothing like that, because it was just because where is the teacher going to look if you're not going to look at someone at the ceiling or around the room, or it's very artificial. But if you've got that guarantee, then you're just <laughs> talking to one another like that. So do many people send you notes? Yeah. 
Yeah, I have um, in my garage, <laughs> I have boxes of precious notes. Now, this was more at the beginning when there wasn't the internet. And so they would send me letters saying that it was life-changing things. I mean, that's not anything I can give. That's something that I have the privilege of sharing because of people like Julie Greenberg with my husband, people with whom I have relationships, the teachers themselves who are willing to, to try these things. So it's not about my sharing. It's about my having the opportunity to share, if that makes any sense. That's wonderful. You mentioned that you've worked with many, many well-known bridge experts and champions. Are they easy to work with? And did any of those experiences stand out? <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting because when you work with experts, you always have your, um, how do you want to put it? But you, you have things about your path personality because one of the, of the experts with whom I, I worked was saying that the way that he and his partner had done so well at tournaments was by going to anger management. And that was really, really helpful. I said, huh, just, huh, I didn't think it applied to me. I didn't need any help on anger management. I wasn't getting angry. That's what I felt. <laughs> but anyway, I thought, huh. So I just paused and, and he said to me, I think we should go and get some books by Vernon Howard, rather interesting writer, on anger management. There's a course in the desert, and I think we should go to it. And I was stunned, and I said, you're talking about us? I considered myself so very well-adjusted and not getting angry about anything. And he said, well, I, yeah, I think us. He said, I think we get angry with each other because... I want to have complete control of the content as far as Bridge is concerned, and you won't let me have it. I said, that's unusual because I want to have complete control of the methodology, and you won't let me have that either. So off we went to anger management, and it was really interesting. Well, well please tell us more about it. Well, it was just with Vernon Howard, and it was just really being honest and forgetting about your ego and having the courage to say to someone, I think you're interfering with something that I know more than you, but I don't want you to leave because I need you. I need you. So that's where we were in the development of our product. We needed each other. We didn't want to say things that would offend each other and we'd stop working. I mean, when you think of people that work together, whether it's Simon and Garfunkel or, you know, anyone who's working together, they reach the stage occasionally where they need each other, but they can't resist just stopping the relationship because it isn't working. So we had to get through that, and we did. You know, this, um, these world-class partnerships that survive I think they do survive when the players are on each other's side, not just in words, but they actually are on each other's side. It makes an enormous difference. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I can remember working with Zia when you talk about, well, I'm just thinking about differences of style. I remember getting in, in Zia's, I think it was a Rolls Royce or some very fancy car, and you know, Zia has such style. You know, he would wear the cashmere sweater with the arms tied just perfectly around his neck and all of that sort of thing. Very stylish. I think so anyway. And we were going to go up to his brother's house to write three books on Ackle. So he came to our house. David and I lived in England at the time. And we, I got in this car and I thought, huh. We didn't say a word. We weren't even saying a word to each other. And we were going to be writing three books together. And we couldn't even talk. By the time we got to the highway, we weren't saying anything. 
So I decided to try and break the ice nights into them. Zia, just in case you're wondering, don't worry about my getting a crush on you or or something like that. And <laughs> that's an assumption. I mean, that just goes without <laughs> saying, right? I, I won't be able to won't be able to get the work done because I'll have stars in my eyes or something. I said, you know, you're being so quiet, and I I I have a feeling that there's something wrong. He said, oh yeah. There's something wrong. He said, and you don't you don't need to say that. He said, I know you're going to come pounding on my door at seven o'clock in the morning. I said, oh, no, I guarantee you I won't. He said, you will because you're a workaholic. And he said, oh, oh, yeah, right. Oh, I will be actually. Yes, I like to start it at eight o'clock in the morning. So, you know, we had the different things to work out. And that was, you know, our work habits. When were we going to work to get this stuff done, et cetera? So. Working with the experts is always so fascinating and, you know, because you really have to park your ego at the doorstep for sure. Have you written any books on subjects other than bridge? Huh. Well, it turns out, <laughs> yes, I, I did actually. I've written a couple of things and one of them was a book called Ex Etiquette. It's the etiquette of separating, divorcing, and remarrying. And it came, I know that seems like a strange thing, and I'm, I'm always a little reluctant to say because I don't want people to judge me too, too strongly for that. Actually, the, at the cover of this book, if you look it up on the internet, I'm sitting very nicely like a family portrait at a nice private club that we belong with, with pearls and whatnot. And I have my present husband, my first husband, and my second husband. And I thought, you know, if that could be a, a family photo, if if we could get the concept of trying not to be too judgmental, that might that might work out better than some other things I can think of. Not that you can ever have things that are perfect, but it came about because when David and I got married, his first wife and her husband came to the wedding and David's mother had said to my mother, what in heaven's name would you think of asking someone that you used to be married to, to come to the wedding? And what was I supposed to say, said David's mother, you know, and, and rightly so. Is this wedding as good as the other wedding? Or she said, you just don't leave. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just quickly put to, put together something that can kind of address even the language and the gift giving and that kind of thing. It wasn't a particularly well-written book, but it was just something that I'd done. And I've written a couple of novels that I've done under an assumed name. And, uh, you know, I love keeping diaries and uh, teacher's manuals are very philosophical. They're not really about bridge. They're mostly about, you know, the philosophy of life, I think. The community of bridge and life. Yes, absolutely. Audrey, do you have a favorite bridge convention? You know, I actually do. And it might surprise you. I like Michael's. And I like it because uh, if the person on my right opens a club and I can say two clubs, I get to show more than one suit at a time. It helps me handle distributional hands. And I just like the sounds of it. Michael's Cupid. That's my favorite. <laughs> what about a convention that you dislike? Well, that would take a long time, actually, because there's anything that has something like, for example, Smolin. It doesn't sound quite right, Smolin. <laughs> So I'm not I'm not keen on that one. Or I had to kind of get used to keycard Blackwood. I'm not too keen about conventions that rarely come up and have maximum opportunity for misunderstanding. Those are the ones that I'm not so fond of and that are artificial. Oh, I have to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Sure. I was teaching an uh, absolute beginner class. And, you know, there's a wave out there that we really should teach absolute beginners transfers. You know, this is teaching someone who just learned to pick the cards up. It's not so much in Australia or New Zealand or in, in Europe, but in North America, there's this great wave out there that says, look, if you're playing bridge, 
you need to know transfers. That's just that you need to know it. So anyway, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to experiment with my class and I'll see if I can try my best to figure out how I could teach that to them. So I started with the usual thing with you have to move from the known to the unknown. So you have to give them something they know. And so we had a hand where they open one no trump and the other person has six spades, the jack, ten, nine, etc. Six of them and no other points. And it's a lot happier if they play in two spades rather than one no trump. So they liked that and they saw that. And I thought, huh, okay. Well, now maybe I'll just move it a little bit forward and say, all right, you'd like to bid in spades and you'd like to just say one no trump, two spades. You'd like to just say it. But since that's not particularly fashionable in today's game, I'm going to tell you about transfers. So I did tell them about it and this is what happened. They they went to the duplicate game. The director called me and asked me if I was teaching them this. And one of them opened one no trump. It went pass. And the partner of the one no trump bidder bid two no diamonds. And they said, what is a two no diamonds? A transfer to heart. Yes, exactly. Two no diamonds. And so anyway, the director said, when I tried to tell them <laughs> that you don't say two no diamonds, they said, well, yes, and I had said it because one no trump means one not trump, right? One no trump. So pass two no hearts means that you don't have hearts. You have something else. So anyway, that was my effort to teach transfers to people who had just learned the game. And I thought, maybe not working so well. (laughs) That's a true story, too. (laughs) That is very funny. Just wait until they have to learn transfers over one club. Yeah. (laughs) What is the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? Well, I'm just thinking, you know what? I really like this one. I like the fact that you own the game. It doesn't own you. So if you care to, there's a hand that came up at the World Bridge Championships. It was very controversial. And it was a hand that uh, you were the dealer. You weren't vulnerable. And the other pair was vulnerable. You had six hearts added at the top of it was the ace and then a bunch of little hearts and nothing much else. Some people opened two hearts with that and went for 1100. Now, if you were playing in a ordinary duplicate game, say a social duplicate game, you might feel not so great about yourself on the way home. You might stop at Starbucks and even though it's late, you know, get a caffeine rather than a decaf. I mean, it might do things to you. But if you think of this, you own the game. It doesn't own you. You bid what you think you should under the circumstances and you do not try and second guess yourself. I like that tip. Love it. Audrey, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been wonderful to chat with you. Thank you, Audrey. This was just so amazingly wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it also. Very nice to speak with you. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Audrey Grant. Thank you also to our sorry partner posse of listener supporters who make the show possible. And thanks also to Baron Barkley for offering our listeners 15% off with promo code PARTNER15. That is PARTNER15. Sorry Partner is produced by Katherine Harris with production assistance from Jade Gray. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voice message. And please consider joining the Sorry Partner posse that helps keep us on the air, so to speak. You'll get ad-free episodes a monthly newsletter, and other supporter perks. These links and a link to Club Cavell and our merch store are in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Audrey says, you own the game. It doesn't own you. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.